You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. Are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. The history of Argentina is divided by historians into four main parts. The pre-Columbian time or early history up to the 16th century the colonial period, which is the years 1530 to 1810, the period of nation building, 1810 to 1880, and the history of modern Argentina from around 1880. Prehistory in the present territory of Argentina began with the first human settlements on the southern tip of Patagonia around 13,000 years ago. Written history began with the arrival of Spanish chroniclers in the expedition of Juan Diaz de Solis in the year 1516 to the Rio de la Plata, which marks the beginning of the Spanish domination in this region. In 1776, the Spanish crown established the viceroyalty of the Rio de la Plata an umbrella of territories from which, with the revolution of May 1810, began a process of gradual formation of several independent states, including one called the United Provinces of Rio de la Plata. With the Declaration of Independence on July 9, 1816, and the military defeat of the Spanish Empire in 1824. The federal state was formed in 1853 to 1861, known today as the Republic of Argentina. From the years 1880 to 1916, After his surge in popularity due to his successful desert campaign, Julio Roca was elected president in 1880 
as the candidate for the National Autonomous Party, or PAN, a party that would remain in power until the year 1916. During his presidency, Roca created a net of political alliances and installed several measures that helped him retain almost absolute control of the Argentine political scene throughout the 1880s. This keen ability with political strategy earned him the nickname, The Fox. The country's economy benefited from a change from extensive farming to industrial agriculture and a huge European immigration. But there wasn't yet a strong move towards industrialization. At that time, Argentina received some of the highest levels of foreign investment in Latin America. In the midst of this economic expansion, the Law 1420 of Common Education of 1884 guaranteed universal, free, non-religious education to all children. This and other government policies were strongly opposed by the Roman Catholic Church in Argentina, causing the Holy See to break off diplomatic relations with the country for several years and setting the stage for decades of continued church-state strain. In the 19th and early 20th century, Argentina temporarily resolved its border disputes with Chile with the Puna de Atacama dispute of 1899. The Boundary Treaty of 1881 between Chile and Argentina and the 1902 General Treaty of Arbitration. Roca's government and those that followed were aligned with the Argentine oligarchy, especially the great landowners. In 1888, Miguel Juarez Selman became president after Roca and was constitutionally disqualified from re-election. Selman attempted to reduce Roca's control over the political scene, which turned him his predecessor's opposition. Roca had led a great opposition movement against Selman, which coupled with the devastating effects that the Long Depression had on the Argentine economy, allowed the Civic Opposition Party to start a coup d'etat, which would later be known as the Revolution of the Park. The revolution was led by three main leaders of the Civic Union. Leandro Alem, former president, Bartolome Mitre, and moderate socialist Juan B. Justo. Though it failed in its main goals, the revolution forced Juarez Selman's resignation and marked the decline of the generation of 80. In 1891, Roca proposed that the Civic Union elect someone to be vice president to his own presidency the next time elections came around. One group led by Mitre decided to take the deal, while another more intransient group led by Alum was opposed. This eventually led to the split of the Civic Union into the National Civic Union, led by Mitre, and the Radical Civic Union, led by Alum. 
After this division occurred, Rocha withdrew his offer, having completed his plan to divide the civic union and decrease their power. Alum would eventually commit suicide in 1896. Control of the radical civic union went to his nephew and his protege, Hippolito Rigoyen. After Selman's downfall, his vice president, Carlos Pellegrini, took over and proceeded to resolve the economic crisis, which affected the country, earning him the moniker of the Storm Sailor. Fearing another wave of opposition from Rocco like the one imposed on Selman, Pellegrini remained moderate in his presidency, ending his predecessor's effort to distance the Fox from political control. The following governments up until 1898 took similar measures and sided with Rocco to avoid being politically chastised. In 1898, Roca became president again in a politically unstable situation with a large number of social conflicts that included massive strikes and anarchist subversions attempts. Roca handled most of these conflicts by having the police or the army crack down on protesters, rebels, and suspected rebels. After the end of his second presidency, Roca fell ill, and his role in political affairs began to decrease gradually until his death in the late 1914s. In 1904, Alfredo Palacios, a member of Juan B. Justo's Socialist Party, which was founded in 1896, became the first socialist deputy in Argentina. As a representative for the working class neighborhood in La Boca in Buenos Aires, he helped create many laws, including the Ley Palacios against sexual exploitation and others regulating child and woman labor, working hours, and Sunday rest. The homogeny of the pan ended in 1910 with the election of Rodriguez Sanez Peña to the presidency. Peña was a progressive member of the pan who disliked the fraudulent elective system the pan employed and thus passed the Sanez Peña law, which made the political vote mandatory, secret, and universal among males aged 18 or more. Under this law, the first non-PAN president since 1880 was elected in 1916, Hipotio Riyogoyen of the Radical Civic Union. Next, we come into the period of the radical governments from 1916 to 1930. Conservative forces dominated Argentine politics until 1916, when the radicals led by Hippolito Rigoyen won control of the government through the first national elections under universal male suffrage. 745,000 citizens were allowed to vote, 
of a total population of 7.5 million. Immigrants, who re represented much of the population, were not allowed to vote. Of these, 400,000 abstained. Rigoyen, however, only obtained 45% of the votes, which did not allow him a majority in parliament, where the conservatives remained the leading force. Thus, of the 80 draft laws proposed by the executive, only 26 were voted through by the conservative majority. A moderate agricultural reform proposal was rejected by parliament, as was an income tax on interest and the creation of a Bank of the Republic, which was to have the missions of the current central bank. Despite this conservative opposition, the Radical Civic Union, UCR, with their emphasis on their fair elections and democratic institutions, opened their door to Argentina's expanding middle class as well as to social groups previously excluded from power. Rigoyen's policy was to fix the system by enacting necessary reforms which would enable the agro-industrial export model to preserve itself. It alternated moderate social reforms with repression of the social movements. In 1918, a student movement started at the University of Cordoba, which eventually led to the university reform, which quickly spread to the rest of Latin America. In May of 68, French students recalled the Cordoba movement. The tragic week of January 1919, during which the Argentine Regional Workers Federation, or known as FORA, founded in 1901, had called for a general strike after the police shooting, ended with 700 killed and 4,000 injured. General Louis Delipien marched on Buenos Aires to re-establish civil order. Despite being called on by some to initiate a coup against Rigoyen, he remained loyal to the president on the sole condition that the latter would allow him a free hand in the repression of demonstrations. Social movements thereafter continued in the forestalled British company and in Patagonia, where Hector Valera headed the military repression, assisted by the Argentine Patriotic League, killing 1,500. On the other hand, Rigoyen's administration enacted the Labor Code, establishing the right to strike in 1921, implemented minimum wage laws and collective contracts, it also initiated the creation of the Dirección General de Yasmientos Petrolíferos Fiscales, or the YPF. The State Oil Company in June 1922. 
radicalism rejected class struggle and advocated social conciliation. Meanwhile, the radicals continued Argentina's neutrality policy during World War I, despite the United States urging them to declare war against the Central Powers. Neutrality enabled Argentina to export goods to Europe, in particularly to Great Britain, as well as to issue credit to the belligerent powers. Germany sank two Argentine civil ships, the Monte Protegiedo on April 4, 1917, and the Toro. But the diplomatic incident ended only with the expulsion of the German ambassador, Karl von Luxburg. Rigoyen organized a conference of neutral powers in Buenos Aires to oppose the United States' attempt to bring the American states into the European war and also supported Sandino's resistance in Nicaragua. In September 1922, Rigoyen's administration refused to follow the Cordon Sanitaire policy enacted against the Soviet Union and, basing its policy on the assistance given to Austria after the war, decided to send the USSR 5 million pesos in assistance. The same year, Rigoyen was replaced by his rival inside the UCR, Marcelo Torcorta del Avar, an aristocrat who defeated Norberto Pinheiro, Concentration Nacional, otherwise known as the Conservatives, with 458,457 votes to 200,080. Alvear brought to his cabinet personalities belonging to the traditional ruling class, such as José Nicolás Matienzo at the Interior Ministry, Angel Gallardo in Foreign Relations, Augustus P. Justo at the War Ministry, Manuel Domique Garcia at the Marine, and Rafael Hierro Vegas at the Haciendas. Alvear's supporters found the, founded the Union Civica Radical Antipersonalista, opposed to Regionian's party. During the early 1920s, the rise of the anarchist movement, fueled by the arrival of recent emerges and deportees from Europe, spawned a new generation of left-wing activism in Argentina. The new left, mostly anarchists and anarcho-communists, rejected the incremental progressivism of the old radical and socialist elements in Argentina in favor of immediate action. The extremists, such as Sirvione di Giovanni, openly espoused violence and propaganda by the deed. A wave of bombings and shootouts with police culminated in an attempt to assassinate U.S. President Herbert Hoover on his visit to Argentina in 1928 and was a nearly successful attempt to assassinate Rigoyen in 1929 after he was re-elected to the presidency. In 1921, the counter-revolutionary 
Logi General San Martin was founded and diffused nationalist ideas in the military until its dissolution, dissolution in 1926. Three years later, the Liga Republicans, or the Republican League, was founded by Roberto de Le Fiere on the model of Benito Mussolini's black shirts in Italy. The Argentine right found its major influences in the 19th century Spanish writer Marcelino Mendez Pelliero and in the French royalists Charles Maras. Also in 1922, the poet Leopold Lugones, who had turned towards fascism, made a famous speech in Lima, known as the Time of the Sword. In the presence of the war minister and future dictator Augustin P. Justo, which he called for a military coup and the establishment of a military dictatorship. In 1928, Rigoyen was re-elected as president and began a series of reforms to increase workers' rights. This intensified the conservative opposition against Rigoyen, which grew even stronger after Argentina was devastated by the beginning of the Great Depression after the Wall Street crash in America. On September 6, 1930, a military coup led by the pro-fascist General Jose Felix Urburu overthrew Rigoyen's government and began a period in Argentine history known as the infamous decade. During the Great Depression, exports of frozen beef, especially to Great Britain, provided much-needed foreign currency, but trade fell off sharply. The infamous decade from the years 1930 to 1943. In 1929, Argentina was wealthy by world standards, but the prosperity ended after 1929 with the worldwide Great Depression. In 1930, a military coup supported by the Argentine Patriotic League forced Hippolito Rigoyen from power and replaced him with Jose Felix Ribeiro. Support for the coup was bolstered by the sagging Argentine economy as well as a string of bomb attacks and shootings involving radical anarchists, which alienated moderate elements of Argentine society and angered the conservative right, which had long been agitating for decisive action by military forces. The military coup initiated the period known as the infamous decade, characterized by electoral fraud persecution of political oppositions, mainly against the UCR, and pervasive government corruption against the background of the global depression. During his brief tenure as president, Yuri Buru cracked down heavily on anarchists and other far-left groups resulting in 2,000 illegal execution of members of anarchists and communist groups. The most famous and perhaps most symbolic 
of anarchism's decay in Argentina at the time was the execution of Severino de Giovanio, who was captured in late January 1931 and executed on the 1st of February of the same year. After becoming president through the coup, Iriburu attempted to create a constitutional reform that would include corporatism in the Argentine constitution. This move towards fascism was viewed negatively by conservative backers of the coup, and they turned their support to the more moderate conservative general, Augustin P. Justo, who won the presidency in a 1932 election that was heavily fraudulent. Justo began a policy of liberal economic moves that primarily benefited the nation's upper classes and permitted great political and industrial corruption at the expense of national growth. One of the most infamous decisions of Justo's government was the recreation of the Rocco Runin Seaman Treaty between Argentina and the United Kingdom, which benefited the British economy and the rich beef producers of Argentina. In 1935, progressive Democrat Senator Lisandro de la Torre began an investigation into several corruption allegations within the Argentine beef production industry, during which he attempted to charge Justo's Ministry of Agriculture, Luis Duja, and the Minister of Finance, Federico Pinedo, with political corruption and fraud charges. During the exposition of the investigation in the National Congress, Duha started a fight among the senators during which his bodyguard, Ramon Valdez Cora, tried to kill De La Torre, but accidentally ended up shooting De La Torre's friend and political partner, Enzio Bordabeher. The meat investigation was dropped soon afterwards, but not before De La Torre managed to achieve the incarceration of the head of the Anglo Meat Company for corruption charges. De La Torre would later commit suicide in the year 1939. The collapse of international trade led to industrial growth focused on import substitution, leading to a stronger economic independence. Political conflict increased, marked by confrontation between right-wing fascists and leftist radicals. While military-oriented conservatives controlled the government, Though many claimed the polls to be fraudulent, Roberto Ortiz was elected president in 1937 and took office the next year. But due to his fragile health, he was succeeded by his vice president, Ramon Castillo. Castillo effectively took power in 1940. He af formally assumed leadership in the year 1942. The next era 
is, the, is known as the Revolution of 43, and it's from 1943 through 1946. The civilian government appeared to be close to joining the Allies, but many officers of the Argentine Armed Forces and ordinary Argentine citizens objected due to fear of the spread of communism. There was wide support to stay neutral in the conflict as they did during World War I. The government also questioned for the domestic policy reasons, namely electoral fraud, poor labor rights, and the selection of Petron Costas to run for the presidency. On June 4, 1943, the United Officers Group, known as the GOU, which was a secret alliance between military leaders led by Pedro Pablo Ramirez, Arturo Rossoan, Eldemiro Farrell, and Farrell's protege, Juan Perón, marched to the Casa Rosada and demanded the resignation of the president of President Castillo. After hours of threats, their goal was achieved and the president resigned. This event is considered by historians to be the official end of the infamous decade. After the coup, Ramirez took power. Although he did not declare war, he broke off relations with the Axis powers. Argentina's largest neighbor, Brazil, had already entered the war on the Allied side in 1942. In 1944, Ramirez was replaced by Farrell, an army officer of Irish-Argentine origin, who had spent two years attached to Mussolini's army in the 20s. Initially, his government continued to maintain a neutral policy. Towards the end of the war, Farrell decided it was in the interest of Argentina to be attached to the winning side. Like several Latin American states, Argentina made a late declaration of war against Germany without any intention of providing any military force. Juan Perón managed relations with laborers and unions and became highly popular. He was deposed and detained on Martin Garcia Island, but a massive demonstration on October 17, 1945, forced the government to free Perón and restore him to office. Perón would win the elections shortly afterwards by a landslide. The U.S. Ambassador Sproul Braden took direct action in the Argentine politics, supporting the anti-Peronist parties. Now this brings us to the Peronist years, 1946 to 1955. In 1946, General Juan Perón became president. His populist ideology became known as Peronism. His popular wife, Eva Perón, played a leading political role until her death in 1952. Perón established censorship by closing down 110 publications between 1943 and 1946. During Juan Perón's rule, 
the number of unionized workers in government programs increased. His governments allowed an isolationist foreign policy and attempted to reduce the political and economic influence of other nations. Perón expanded government spending. His policy led to ruinous inflation. The peso lost about 70% of its value from the early 1948 to 1950. Inflation reached 50% in 1951. Opposition members were imprisoned and some of them tortured. He dismissed many important and capable advisors while promoting officials largely on the basis of personal loyalty. A coup, the Revolución Libertadora, led by Eduardo Linardi and supported by the Catholic Church, deposed him in 1955. He went into exile, eventually settling in Franconist Spain. Now this is, brings us to the Revolution Libertadora from the years 1955 to 1958. In Argentina, the 50s and 60s, 1950s and 1960s were marked by frequent coup d'etats low economic growth in the 1950s and high growth rates in the 1960s. Argentina faced problems of continued social and labor demands. Argentine painter Antonio Berni's work reflected the social tragedy of these times, painting in particular life in the Villas Miserias, or shantytowns. Following the Revolution Libertadora military coup. Eduardo Leonardi held power only briefly and was succeeded by Pedro Aramburo, president from November 13, 1955 to May 1, 1958. In June 1956, two Peronist generals, Juan Jose Valle and Raul Tanco, attempted a coup against Aramburu, criticizing an important purge in the army, the abrogation of social reforms, and the persecution of trade union leaders. They also demanded liberation of all political and labor activists and a return to constitutional order. The uprising was quickly crushed. General Valley and other members of the military were executed, and 20 civilians were arrested at their homes and their bodies thrown in the Leon Suarez dumping ground. Along with the June 1955 Casa Rosada bombing on the Plaza de Mayo, the Leon Suarez massacre is one of the important events that started a cycle of violence. Pedro Aramburu was later kidnapped and executed for this massacre in 1970 by Fernando Abal Medina, Emilio Angel Maza, Mario Fermiench, and others who would later form the 
Montaneros movement. In 1956, special elections were held to reform the Constitution. The Radical Party under Ricardo Balbin won a majority, although 25% of the ballots were turned in blank as a protest by the Ban Peronis Party. Also, the support of Peronism, the left wing of the Radical Party, led by Arturo Frondizi, left the Constitutional Assembly. The Assembly was severely damaged by this defection and was only able to restore the Constitution of 1853 with the sole addition of the Articles 14, which enumerated some social rights. Now we go into what's known as the Fragile Radical Administration's Decade, from 1958 to 1966. A ban on Peronist expression and representation continued during the fragile civilian governments of the period 1958 through 1966. Fredonzi, UCRI's candidate won the presidential elections of 1958, obtaining approximately 4 million votes against 2.5 million votes for Ricardo Balbin with 800,000 neutral votes. From Caracas, Perón supported Frondizi and called upon his supporters to vote for him as a means toward the end of probation of the Peronist movement and the re-establishment of the workers' social legislation voted during Peron's leadership. On one hand, Frondizi appointed Alvaro Alosqueri as Minister of the Economy to placate powerful Argarian interests and other conservatives a member of the powerful military dynasty, Alsogeri, Alvaro, who already been Minister of the Industry under Aramburo's military rule, devalued the peso and imposed credit control. On the other hand, Frondizi followed the LACIS program, which raised concerns among the Catholic nationalist forces leading to the organization between 1960 and 1962 of the far-right Takarua nationalist movement. The Takarua was the first urban guerrilla group in Argentina, engaged in several anti-Semitic bombings, in particular following Adolf Eichmann's kidnapping by the Mossad in 1960. During the visit of Dwight Eisenhower to Argentina in February 1962, Eisenhower had been, until 1961, the President of the United States. The Takura headed nationalist demonstrations against him, leading to the imprisonment of several of their leaders, among them Joe Baxter. However, Frondizi's government ended in 1962 with, her, with the intervention yet again by the military 
after a series of local elections were won by the Peronist candidates. Jose Maria Guido, chairman of the Senate, claimed the presidency on constitutional grounds before the deeply divided armed forces were able to agree on a name. Right-wing elements in the Argentine armed forces in favor of direct military rule and the suppression of former Peronist politicians subsequently attempted to wrest control of the government in the 1963 Argentine Navy revolt on April 2nd. The failure of the revolt's plotters to win the loyalty of arms units near the capital permitted Guido's government to swiftly put down the revolt at the cost of 21 lives. In new elections in 1963, neither Peronists nor Communists were allowed to participate. Arturo Ia of the Radical People's Party won these elections. Regional elections and by-elections over the next few years favored Peronists. On the other hand, the Takura were outlawed by Ia in 1965, and some of its members ultimately turning to the Peronist left, such as Joe Baxter, while others remain in their far-right positions, such as Alberto Uriburo, who would work with the AAA. Despite the fact that the country grew and developed economically during Ia's tenure as president, he was eventually ousted in a military coup in 1966. The next period is known as the Argentine Revolution, and that went from 1966 to 1973. Amidst growing worker and student unrest, Another coup took place in June of 1966. Self-designated Argentine Revolution, which established General Juan Carlos Onguilla as de facto president, supported by several leaders of the General Confederate of Labor, or the CGT, among these General Secretary Augusto Vandor. This led to a series of military appointed presidents. While preceding military coups were aimed at establishing temporary transitional juntas, the Revolución Argentina, headed by Ungiania, aimed at establishing a new political and social order, opposed both to liberal democracy and communism, which gave to the armed forces of Argentina a leading political role in the economic rationalization of the country. The political scientists of the day named this type of regime an authoritarian bureaucratic state in reference both to the Revolution Argentina, the Brazilian military regime, Augusto's Pinochet's regime, and Juan Maria Borderberry's regime in Uruguay. Onganya's Ministry of Economy, Aldebert Krieger Vassena decreed a wage freeze and a 40% devaluation of the currency, which strongly affected the state of Argentine economy, in particular the agricultural sector, favoring foreign capital. Vassena suspended collective labor conventions 
reformed the hydrocarbon law which had established a partial monopoly of the Yacimientos Petrolíferos Fiscales, or the YPF state enterprise, as well as passing a law facilitating expulsions in case of failure to pay rent. Finally, the right to strike was suspended and several other laws reversed progress made concerning labor laws throughout the preceding years. The workers' movement divided itself between Vanderistas, who supported Peronism without Peron. Vandor declared that to save Peron, one has to be against Peron, and advocated negotiations with the Junta and Peronists themselves divided. In July 1966, Angane ordered the forcible clearing of five facilities of the University of Buenos Aires. On July 29, 1966, by the federal police in an event known as La Noche de los Bastones Largos, the Night of the Long Batons. These facilities had been occupied by students, professors, and graduates members of the autonomous government of the university who opposed the military government's intervention in the universities and the revocation of the 1918 university reform. The university repression led to the exile of 301 university professors. In late May 1968, General Julio Alagare dissented from on Guiana, and rumors spread about a possible coup d'etat with Alagoseri leading the conservative opposition to Anganya. Finally, at the end of the month, Anganya dismissed the leaders of the armed forces. On September 19, 1968, two important events affected revolutionary Peronism. On one hand, John William Cook, former personal delegate of Peron and ideologist of the Peronist left, as well as a friend of Fidel Castro, died of natural causes. On the other hand, a small group, 13 men and one woman, who aimed at establishing a foco in Tucumán province in order to head the resistance against the junta, was captured. One among them was Envar El Cadre, then a leader of the Peronist youth. In 1969, the General Confederation of Labor of the Argentinians headed social movements, in particular the Cordobazo, as well as other movements in Tucumán and Santa Fe. While Perón managed reconciliation with Augusto Vandor, head of the CGT, he followed in particular through the voice of the delegate Jorge Palandino, a cautious line of opposition to the military junta, criticizing the modernization and the neoliberal policies of the junta, but waiting to, for discontent inside the government. Thus, Angane had to interview with the 46 CGT delegates, among them Vandor, who agreed to cooperate with the military junta, 
thus uniting themselves with the Nuevo Corriente de Opinion, headed by Jose Alonso and Regalo Chiaro. In December 1969, more than 20 priests, members of the Movements of Priests for the Third World, marched on Casa Rosada to present Anguiano a petition pleading with him to abandon the planned eradication of the shanty towns. Your journey is now ending. the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.